Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, uh, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. We thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, this is yours truly, uh, Brian Chilton. And you may wonder, what in the world am I doing playing a Journey song, Don't Stop Believing? Uh, <laughs> classic tune back in the, uh, I think it's the 80s if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I just, uh, for some reason, and uh, this, this song came to my mind last week. I had a chance to go up to uh, Appalachian State University and to uh, take the uh, Miller's Analogy Test uh, in preparation uh, as I'm applying for a the uh, for a PhD program, I haven't heard back. Uh, I mean, that was the final step outside of getting the financial matters uh, straightened out, which I uh, hope to do this week uh, to see if uh, if if I am accepted uh, to be prepared to uh, possibly take some courses uh, in the PhD program. I'll let you know more about uh, the program uh, to which I'm applying uh, if I get accepted uh, in a future podcast. But uh, I did find out last week that I scored high enough on the test to be considered uh, for the PhD program uh, for which I'm applying. So I am excited about that. And I just uh, ask and desire your prayers for me as I uh, seek to further my education for the glory of God. Uh, I will always pastor uh, to some degree, uh, but uh, I I really feel called, uh, if, if it's the Lord's will, uh, because it's obviously a, if if I go this route, it's, it will take a long time uh, to complete the task. If I'm accepted, that's that's the first step to be accepted into the program. But uh, I'll let you more know, know more about it. But I would love to teach. Uh, that's one thing I've always wanted to do. It's been a dream job for me to be able to uh, teach theology or, or New Testament or something of that sort. Uh, at a college campus or even a Bible uh, Bible school of some sort, but um, 
You pray for me. I, that, that's what I'm asking. But I did find out that I scored high enough on the test, and so I say to God be the glory for that. Um, it was an interesting test. Uh, of course, the Miller's analogy test uh, is is a test where you compare analogies. You're given uh, four, or you're given there's there's four things. A is to B, as C is to D, and uh, one of those terms, one of the terms is missing, and so you have to find out which is the best analogy uh, for that fourth or that missing term, whether it be A, B, C, or D, uh, and and to, by comparing either A to B or A to C, uh, and and that's the formulation, either A is to B, A either compares to B or A compares to C. Uh, sometimes, you know, B may compare to D or B, um, B may compare to D. I, I, I think I may have messed that up. I was going to say B to C, but I don't think that's right. Uh, anyhow, either C, you see that C compares to D or B can, compares to um, D, but uh, th- there's a certain way that they don't mix. I don't. It's never A to D and B to C. I think that's right. But n- nonetheless, uh, I digress. I'm excited about that. I mean, if nothing else, I'm excited about the fact that I scored high enough on this test uh, to to get in the program that I'm that I'm looking at attending so again I'm, I'm not in you know but um you know and that that is up but i've done everything you know that i can do as far as the test and far as uh, uh, the papers and things of that nature for preparation for this program and now i just leave it in the hands of the good lord um and uh, leave it in the hands of the uh, uh committee to decide whether or not i'm a good fit for that program so I will, uh, you know, I'm already excited just the fact that I scored high enough on that thing that I don't have to retake it. But uh, I want to thank everybody up at Appalachian State University. That's where I took the test, and uh, everybody was really nice to me up there. In fact, one lady asked if I had starred in any movies, and I told her, I said, regardless of how I scored on the test, just the fact that she would think that uh, made my day. <laughs> so, um but uh, needless to say, I've always said I have a face for radio, uh, <laughs> one you don't see of the voice you could hear. But it is. But I do want to thank the Lord for that, uh, and uh, thank you know those who who kept my son for me while to allow me to uh, to to go and take that test. Uh, on today's podcast, I want to talk about uh, two or three different things. Uh, first and foremost, I want to talk about uh, the explosion that I have seen on an article I posted just this past Thursday. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'm also going to give a response to a guy, to a gentleman I've been con- uh, with whom I've been conversing on uh, Twitter, uh, and so, and then I'm also going to have the, as the, uh, the 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 more major part of this of this uh, podcast, uh, looking at the issue of taking rest. Uh, it, it's important for us to take rest and, uh, and, and for, for several reasons, especially for those who are in theology and in apologetics. It's important that we take rest. And in fact, I'm even looking at probably taking a month off coming up this summer uh, by for, for for this very reason, okay, and so I will explain more about that uh, as we go along. But uh, let me first of all look at a uh, the article I posted on May twenty third, twenty seventeen, this past Thursday, at the website at bellatorchristi.com. By the way, I need to say I about forgot about this. 
that the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com. Uh, we do encourage you to go to the website. Uh, simply type in Bellator Christie, B E. L-L-A-T-O-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-I dot com. And when you're there, go subscribe. Uh, and I highly encourage you to do this. Go subscribe. There are actually two means by which you can do this. One at the top of the of the website and another at the very bottom of the website. Uh, either one of those means, however you decide to do that, uh, both of them will get you in. Uh, you can subscribe to the website and you'll receive all of the articles uh, and also links to the podcast absolutely free. You'll receive all of that in your inbox absolutely free. So we do encourage you to go and take advantage of that. I do also need to tell you about, uh, and I hope to get some more information as we move along, about the 2017 National Conference on Christian Apologetics uh, that will be hosted by Southern Evangelical Seminary, and uh, you can go to conference.ses.edu for more details. Uh, this will be held October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, go to conference.ses.edu. Uh, you can subscribe or actually uh, uh, get your early bird tickets there. Uh, okay, early bird tickets there. Uh, or you can call, there's a number you can call, one, let's see if I can find it here. It is not on, I think it's 1-800-77-TRUTH. And I'm not seeing it on here, okay? But uh, go to conference, if nothing else, go to conference.ses.edu and sign up. There's There are early bird tickets available. Uh, this year's conference is going to host Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Ken Ham of Answers from Answers in Genesis, Timothy McGrew, Richard Land, Greg Kokel, excited about seeing him, Richard Howe, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turek, Jay Warner Wallace, and many, many more. Uh, go by and check that out at conference.ses.edu, and I hope to see you there this October. Uh, now, going back, I was talking about a, uh, an article that I posted this past Thursday, and it was called 10 Signs of a Cultic church. And I'm not going to go through all of the um, points that I made on this. I will just highlight those points, maybe give a word or two about those points. But I want to tell you, this article has exploded. Uh, It has absolutely exploded. It's been one of the highest viewed articles I have had on the website in quite some time. Uh, Just today, uh, already, uh, we're we're at, uh, and this is early in the morning, already we're at 231 views for today. And, and this has been on there for quite some time. So this article, I think the explosion, the popularity of this article demonstrates the fact that there are many churches out there that are unhealthy, that are on the level of being cultic. And so the question was, must be asked, what is a cultic church? And I think that authentic churches, cultic churches, and cults are, are three different things. Okay? Authentic churches are those that have the orthodoxy, meaning right belief, and orthopraxy, meaning uh, right living, correct. They promote orthodoxy, right doctrine. They promote orthopraxy, right actions. And they and they follow through with those right actions as well. Now, that's an authentic church. 
Okay, churches that are devoted to uh, godliness, holiness, churches that are devoted to uh, teaching the core fundamental doctrines of the faith. Okay, those are genuine churches. Cults are churches or, or are institutions that have their orthodoxy all out of whack. Um, cults are, are institutions, as Michael Bohm was talking about, they are aberrations to what the religion is all about. For instance, if I said I was a Buddhist and did not believe in reincarnation, then I would be beyond the scope of what Buddhism is. Okay, And so the same is true with Christianity. There's a reason why evangelical Christians say that Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons are beyond the scope of Orthodox Christianity. And, and so the litmus test, and that's because the litmus test, I believe, is the Apostles' Creed. The early creed, uh, many people believe dating back to the early church, that says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, uh, was, was uh, condemned and crucified by Pontius Pilate, uh, died according to the Scriptures, rose on the third day, uh, and uh, appeared to many, ascended into heaven and where he sits at God's right hand, uh, judging the quick and the dead. I believe in the, the universal church, uh, the resurrection of the dead, uh, and the Holy Spirit. F from this, and, and then and then it goes on, I forget the last little bit of it, but nonetheless, this constitutes core Christianity. The Apostles' Creed is the litmus test for core Christianity. If, if a belief system does not cohere with the Apostles' Creed, then it is beyond the scope of it's beyond the scope of Christianity. I, I really think that it is. So that is the litmus test uh, that that we have. Let, let me see. Hold on just a second. Let me read this verbatim. Okay, aha! I found it right here. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. It was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born by, of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and the third day rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy, it says Catholic, but universal church is what it means, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and of life everlasting. Amen. That is core fundamental Christianity. That is what Christianity is all about. That is the litmus test, okay, for Orthodox Christianity. And so, um, so cults are outside the scope of Orthodox Christianity. But now cultic churches, okay, so they cults have wrong orthodoxy and they have wrong orthopraxy. Cultic churches are a little more difficult to identify. Cultic churches are churches that may be within the realm of Orthodox Christianity. They have beliefs that just really push the boundaries to the max and quite honestly, you know, teeter almost or just one step removed from being a full blown cult. Okay, but their orthopraxy is not biblical. In other words, they focus on things that are really out of order, out of line. That they make small, minute opinions to the same level and degree of authorized truth, of primary doctrine. And so, I think there are ten signs of a cultic church. Biblical orthodoxy is held in low esteem. 
In other words, biblical doctrine and theology are dismissed in favor of elevated levels of emotionalism. Not that there's anything wrong with emotionalism, but when emotionalism takes over Christian truth, there's problems. Okay, there are problems. Personal interpretations are held to a higher or equal view than biblical truth. Uh, Michael Bohm noted on the podcast recently that many trained cult leaders can twist most Christians into knots by pulling various quotes from the Bible, making correlations that do not exist. Well, there are cultic churches that do the same. There are leaders who can tie you into knots, but if you really examine the scriptures, the connections that they promote don't really exist. But those opinions are held to an equal status of biblical truth. And folks, we have problems when that happens. Members are not allowed to grow intellectually. Okay, This is a power move by the leaders who are cultic in nature. Okay, They don't want the membership to grow mentally, spiritually, or, or any other way, uh, because they don't want the, because they would see the members being a threat to their philosophy, and many times it's an aired philosophy at that. Members are not allowed to ask questions of the leadership. When this happens, folks, there's a problem. We all have to understand that we are sinners saved by the grace of Almighty God. We must be able to ask questions. Uh, questions are a means of growth. It's the old Jewish rabbinic method of teaching that you would answer a question with a question to to provide further further examination of whatever is being discussed. Traditions are equated with commandments or two commandments. And I give a passage of scripture in Matthew 15 where Jesus confronts this ideology with the Pharisees of his day. Members are required to follow harsh legalistic rules that, listen, this is not biblical. Peter tells us that we should uh, love our congregations, not be harsh and dictatorial. That's not a true pastor. That's not the way to do things. Jesus even tells us that's not the way to do things because the greatest among you will be yours, will be the servant. Okay, Outsiders are viewed with skepticism. Therefore, evangelism is avoided. Uh, that speaks for itself. Exiting the church is difficult and may be met with threats. Uh, this happens in cultic churches. Cultic churches are opaque, which is the exact opposite of transparency. Uh, they won't let you know what they're doing behind the scenes. There's a lot of closed doors in churches, in ministry. Everything should be transparent. Jesus taught publicly. Jesus performed miracles publicly. He was crucified publicly. He was resurrected publicly. He was pu- he was seen alive publicly after the resurrection and ascended into heaven publicly. Everything Jesus did was transparent. And so we must be as well. Also, the church desires its membership to become more like themselves than like Christ. That is problematic, folks. So if you come across a church that is this way and in this fashion, obviously you need to look for another church uh, because there are problems therein. Uh, Not that we are making church about us, but we must understand that a true, authentic church is going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit um, legalistic churches and liberal churches are really two sides cut from the same same cloth. Both of them have problems with the authority of Christ. Both of them have problems uh, giving due diligence to Christ and, and take too much control. Okay, and so uh, I think that's the problem. 
Um, also, I want to respond to a guy by the name of Andy. I've been conversing with him on Twitter. Uh, we've been talking about the necessity of God's existence, and I did a podcast. I've done a podcast on this issue. I did an article on this issue not too long ago. But he was uh, bringing up the point about evolution and natural sci- uh, natural systems, and uh, that that don't require intelligence. And I've been arguing that uh, even if evolution is true. Okay, and I'm, I'm not making a statement saying that I agree or disagree. I'm just saying if that is were to be true, that is not the the nuclear uh, weapon that atheists think that it is. Because if evolution is true, and it happens by natural process over a period of time, you still must have an answer for why there is a process set up to begin with. Just like the system evaporation system or precipitation system, you know, rain comes down and then and then over time it goes back in the air, the heat of the day, and then causes rain again. The evaporation system, it must have an answer for why it is the way it is. And I come back to this issue every single time that a program, a process requires information. Information requires a programmer. It requires an intelligence. For instance, I knew a teenager who once made a video game. He was good at making video games. And he made a video game uh, of, of these creatures that that uh, came about through the means of evolution. And he was showing that this may be, in his mind, in his opinion, the way things come about through the process of evolution. But there's one great problem that I don't think he even saw in that. And I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I hope and pray that he is. Uh, if so, he may hold to theistic evolution. Not that I agree or disagree with that. I'm just just speaking in generalities here. Uh, but he, here's the problem. He still had to create the information that would give the system the ability to, quote-unquote, evolve creatures the way that he did. You see, that requires intelligence. Just like you cannot have a Super Mario Brothers game without intelligence. You just can't. It, it requires intelligence. It <laughs> you know... <laughs> Alright, so you have the theme song there for Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> a class... A classic game. That song just didn't come to be for no reason. Okay? the uh, Mario and Luigi don't bounce on the boxes and become Super Mario and Super Luigi's because it just came into existence for no reason whatsoever. Super Mario Brothers had to have a programmer. It demands a programmer for it to be here. I don't know who the programmer is. But it required a programmer. Okay? So, the same thing is true of the world, of the universe. Even if evolution is true, there must be a programmer. There must be intelligence required to explain why there is anything whatsoever. And that intelligence must be omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and in the end, omnibenevolent. And that is course known as God.
We could just end the show with this, <laughs> with this song here. <laughs> but we'll go on. I digress. <laughs> Great game, by the way. That was a fantastic game. I love that. That was one of the best Christmas presents I ever received. Uh, I never will forget the year I received uh, the, the Super Nintendo uh, and it came with, uh, or maybe it was just a regular Nintendo. It came with Duck Hunt. I remember that game, Super Mario Brothers. And um, I think there was a third game that may have come with it. I don't remember what that was. But anyhow, well, last but certainly not least, I want to talk about uh, today to finish out our podcast today, the importance of rest. I posted on my Facebook account that I am limiting my time spent on the social media app and in fact i'm doing the same thing on twitter but i don't i don't think that for some reason and i love twitter it's a great means of communication a great way i don't think that twitter though has the um the 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 uh, addictive properties that facebook does the facebook holds facebook can become very addictive very addictive and I don't. I mean, and I'm hearing it's not just me. It's that I am not the only person having problems with this. And you know, a lot of times I find myself, as as a, a, a fellow apologist said on uh, on this post that I that I presented on social media, that uh, that he finds himself drawn into conversations with uh, with atheists and individuals and i do the same and a lot of times i'm even drawn into conversations over politics and things of this nature but you know i found i found that i have started to limit myself to no more than an hour on facebook a day and even that might be too much and you know i don't really know that i even take the full hour that i allot myself on facebook now my my instant messenger is is stays on because uh, there are many people who, who contact me by that means. And, and let me just say, Facebook, I think, is a great thing because uh, in many ways it has allowed me to converse with individuals that I would have otherwise been unable to, 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 uh, to, to con- with, you know, let me, let me say that again. It has allowed me the opportunity to converse with individuals that I would otherwise not have the opportunity to do so. And so, and for that, I think it's a great app. I think it's a great tool to, to, to stay close to friends. I think that I've had an opportunity to, to uh, catch up with some individuals that, I have, uh, that, that I've lost touch with since high school even. Okay, and there's been some great opportunities that's come by, and so that's why I'm saying I'm not giving it up completely. I don't think I, I need to go that route because for this podcast, uh, you know, if you don't have Facebook, if you don't have Twitter, then it's going to be a lot more difficult in getting it, the information out there. I'm a part of a lot of great groups on Facebook. You know, the the Christian Apologetics Alliance. And uh, just joined, and it's an honor and privilege to be accepted as a full member in the International Society of Christian Apologetics. I would have otherwise been unable to learn about and know about uh, that if it hadn't been for Facebook. I, I, come in, I come across many great people on Facebook. Okay, So I'm not giving up Facebook. Some people have taken that route, and you know th- that's their prerogative to do that. 
But for me, I'm finding that if I just limit the amount of time I'm on the app, that it has done me a world of good. It has actually brought me to a greater mindset. I've I've actually been able to rest, <laughs> to rest my mind, to rest my spirit, to rest, uh, find the rest in the Lord that I need. Okay, and you know, coming this July, I'm probably going to take a scheduled month off from from Bellator Christie. I'll still post. A few things. They won't be as heavy as most things I normally post. Maybe a few thoughts, a few comments here and there. Uh, I will continue to post the, the messages through that month that I that I present on here on Sundays at, at the church. But um, as far as doing the podcast as I'm doing now and, and doing the regular uh, articles through the month of July, I'm going to take that month off from doing that because I think it's important to take regularly scheduled increments of rest. I think rest is biblical. I mean, if, if you look back at uh, the, the Genesis account, you know, you go back and read Genesis, uh, reading from a wonderful translation of Christian Standard Bible, you know, we, we see that uh, God made the heavens and the earth, in Genesis one, we see that uh, that that he 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 created in six days, and uh, and so on. Chapter two, we see this that the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all of His work that He had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it He rested from all of His work of creation. Now. Did God need rest? No, because God is God. <laughs> I don't think God gets tired. God did so to to bless us with an opportunity to take that day in remembrance of His seventh day work, as uh, His seventh day rest, and take that rest ourselves. Okay. If you even look at uh, the book of Leviticus 25.10, and this comes from the ESV, it says, You shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, when each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows or itself or gather the grapes from each from the undressed vines." Uh, in this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. Again, that's Leviticus 25, 10 through 13. See, every 50th year they had the year of Jubilees, and this year was a year of rest. They took the whole year off <laughs> from work and rested. So rest is a biblical thing. Rest is refreshing. It heals, uh, heals us mentally. You know, even Jesus himself he came in the flesh, and of course, Jesus, being in the flesh, he needed to have rest. And we see in Mark chapter 1, I, I never noticed this before until I took a ministry class at Liberty University, and um, and he and it shows that, uh, see if I can find it, in verse 12 of chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark, the Spirit drove him in the wilderness, He was okay, and there was a time of testing, uh, and then we go later and see... That um, in verse thirty-five, here's where here's where this is the passage I'm looking for. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. 
And there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they had found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go on to the village or the neighborhood, neighboring villages, so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. Jesus took regular times where he went out in the wilderness and took rest, because rest is refreshing. It helps us mentally. It helps us spiritually. I think rest is also refocusing. If Looking back at Mark chapter 1, that time of rest, Jesus took time with his Father, took time in the Holy Spirit. He was refocused as to what he was to do. We read earlier about him spending the 40 days in the wilderness as he was tempted by Satan uh, in the earlier part of his ministry. He took that time of rest in regular, regular increments to refocus, to be rejuvenated. It helps. That's what rest is all about. It helps us refocus. It helps us to focus on the ministry, to focus on what's really important. And obviously, as if, if you have a family, it helps you to focus on what's really important as well, and that being your family. Folks, I'm telling you that we cannot serve our communities and we cannot serve our churches unless we first serve our families. I can take you scripture and verse to where it says that, and I think at some point I will. I'm running out of time for today's podcast, but I'll save that for another time. Rest is also preventative. This class I was telling you about at Liberty was one of the best classes I've ever taken. Unfortunately, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people think that you have to stay on the go in ministry all the time, and I'm telling you, if you do that, you will burn out. You must take a regular day off from ministry. You must take some time away from the apologetic uh, movement, okay, for yourself to prevent ministry burnout because if you stay on the go all the time you'll burn out and folks this is the same thing is true in churches a lot of times 90 percent of the work done is is performed by 10 percent of the people in the church it's okay to take time off you know I, I think becoming workaholics is one of the most dangerous things for us in ministry, for long-term ministry, because if we don't take time out and time off at regular scheduled increments of time, if you don't plan to take time with your family and you don't plan to take time with the Lord, you don't plan to do that, folks, you're going to burn out. We aren't supermen and women. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but remember... This same God, this same Christ, took the seventh day rest and allowed a people a year of jubilees to take time off to rest the land, to rest their energies so that they can refocus, be rejuvenated, and to focus on the things that really matter. And folks, I think as apologists, listen, in this day and time, we are met with every challenge imaginable. Okay, we can become so distracted by everything that's going on that we are taken. We are like James says that we are. We are uh, in the book of James. He talks about uh, people who who drift to and fro. Uh, let me see if I can find it right quick. Bear with me just a moment. Book of James, and I'm going over the time I had allotted for this, but that's okay. Um, let's see if I can find it here. Um, 
Let's see. Um. Well, let's see here. I'm not finding where I'm looking for. Well, okay. He also talks about be doers of the words, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if one is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at a uh, his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person you know he was. Okay, so uh, there's another part here that talks about uh, a person being taken about by every wind. Um, and I'm not finding it right offhand. Well, uh, okay, I may have to look for that and post this at a later time. I'm not seeing it. But uh, anyhow, we need to be steadfast. We need to be steadfast. We need to um, realize that uh, we, we can't solve all the world pro- world's problems in and of ourselves. Um, but we need to be in the will of the Lord, Okay. And so I, you know, just even even though you know, forgetting about the wind aspect of it, you know, James says that, you know, a lot of times we forget who we are. You know, we forget the law of the Lord. I think a lot of times as well, we get so distracted with everything going on in the world that we lose our focus. And so I think that's what's important. That's why it's important to take regular times of rest. Take a rest and focus on what really matters. Be sure to spend time with the Lord. Be sure to spend time with your families. Because, folks, as James says in the passage of Scripture that we just read a while ago, life is but a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for joining us on today's podcast. May God richly bless you. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, which is a production of bellatorchristie.com. We thank you again for joining us today, and we'll see you back next time. This is Pastor Brian Chilton. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. God bless. Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic 
and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios, found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all of the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers, including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.